Amen. All right. Well, folks, I don't know if you know this routine, but uh, when you're a part of a church family, <clears throat> there's some interesting things that take place. Have you noticed that? A couple times? Yeah, you're afraid to move. Okay, but it's true. Okay. Uh, in fact, let's get, let's get into this. Turn to somebody and say, man, you're interesting. You know what I'm saying? Go ahead. You know? Because that's why interesting things take place, because we're surrounded by so many interesting people, right? As the church family of God, okay? And uh, as interesting as that is, uh, we do some pretty strange, strange things, interesting things as Christians. I mean, I, 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 22 years of being saved now, I've noticed this has got to be one of the most interesting things that we do, okay? Of all days, Resurrection Day, okay, the time that we are supposed to celebrate when, praise God, Jesus Christ rose again from the grave to forgive us of all of our sins. woo what a day, right? Yeah, amen, awesome, okay. But now we get sucked in even as Christians with the way of the world and we say, no, 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 no. It's not about Jesus Christ being given a crown of thorns upon his head. It's just about us getting a new hat for our head. Or no, we say, no, 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 that's not what it is. It, 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 Resurrection Day, it's not about Jesus bearing the cross for the sins of humanity. It's just about giving the kids a big old bag of candy. Or we say, no, 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 it, it, Resurrection Day has nothing to do with Jesus on the cross dripping with blood. It's about this fuzzy bunny Rabbit drinks with chocolate. Wait. Does anybody find that interesting? That's very interesting, especially when you understand what this day truly is about. In fact, I wonder too, because God's omnipresent, he sees it all, right? I wonder if God finds that interesting a little bit. In fact, it's so interesting to the point where maybe he's wanting to send this guy our way to help things out. Let's take a look at this guy and his new ministry. Excuse me, can I ask you a question? I'm sorry, I'm kind of busy. Well, what do you think about Easter? I gotta go cook and, and shop and everything still. Get someone else. Here at the National Institute for Student Ministries, we've become increasingly perplexed with students' lack of understanding of the Easter season. So what does Easter mean to you? And its historical, biblical relevance. Easter, man, it means spring break, it means partying, it means girls. So, what do you think of church? I was just talking to the boys about that. I go to church all the time, every Easter. Yes, we certainly do know how to tackle Easter. Why do I want to be the Easter linebacker? Well, let me put it to you like this. Who's ready to see the Easter <laughs> You see, the linebacker's here to take the eggs out of Easter. You see, look, kitties, Easter is not about a bunny with big ears. It's about a God whose heart is so filled with love that Jesus rose again from the dead. You see, the linebackers mild. But when I see the Easter bunny, it makes me crazy. How do you think Humpty Dumpty fell off the wall? It was me, baby. Booyah, 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 booyah. Three booyahs for three days in the resurrection. You see, there's a lot of things that take away from the meaning of Easter. Bunny rabbits, hippity hop, hippity hop, don't stop the rock. Easter egg hunts, looking for chocolate, getting cavities. Oh man, I'm just trying to make a buck. That's not funny, because it's not the buck, the buck. You see, but Easter's about the resurrection. It's about Jesus raising from the dead and saying, Booyah to death. That's what Easter is about. We're feeling pretty good about our results. This map demonstrates a distinct shift in the theological thinking within our demographical sphere of influence. The key is gentle 
positive reinforcement. From all of us here at the NIFSM, enjoy a blessing-filled Easter. You can't hop for me! Don't hop for me! Yeah. <laughs> nice, nice. Hey, how many guys would like to be taken out by the Easter linebacker this year? Yeah, it's got the wrong time to raise your hand, buddy. Okay. Uh, so I propose that here at sunrise, we remind ourselves the true meaning of Resurrection Day. How about that? Praise God, all three of you, the rest of it, we'll keep praying. But let's start it off with reminding ourselves why the resurrection is so important. And don't slide from that, man. This is the greatest message, and it's the crux of the gospel. Open your Bibles to 1 Corinthians 15. Let's take a look there. 1 Corinthians 15, so important that Paul dedicates a whole chapter just to the resurrection of Jesus Christ. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, and uh, let's take a look at what Paul has to say. If you find 2 Corinthians, what do you do? Hang your left. You guys are on the ball. 15 verses uh, 1 through 19, okay? Why is it that we don't even want to entertain sliding from this? Why is this so important, okay? Is it being legalistic or trying to ruin people's days and ruin? No, this is awesome, man. The resurrection of Jesus Christ. Let's take a look. Uh, 1 Corinthians 15, chapter 1 says this. Now, brothers, I want you to remind you of the gospel I preached to you, which you received and on which you have what? You've taken your stand on this, okay? That means your eternal stand, your eternal destiny rests on this truth. How many guys is that's important? Okay, and that's what he says there, okay? On which you've taken your stand. By this gospel, you are saved if you hold firmly to the word I preached to you. Otherwise, you believed in vain. But what I received, I passed on to you as the what importance? First importance, okay? That Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, that he was buried and he was what? raised on the third day according to the scriptures and after that he proved it he appeared to peter and to the 12 and then he appeared to more than 500 of the brothers at, at the time most of whom are still alive uh, though some have fallen asleep or in other words they've died uh, then he appeared to james then to all the apostles and then last of all he appeared to me paul says as one abnormally born because man i i'm the least of the apostles I, I don't even deserve to be called an apostle because i persecuted the church of god but by the grace of God, I am what I am, and it's his grace to me that was not without effect. No, I, I worked harder than all of them, yet he's not boasting himself, not I, but the grace of God that was with me. Now, whether it was then, whether it was I or they, that's what we preach, and this is what you believe. He says, now you hold on to it. The gospel, this is it. This is the only gospel. It's not just that Jesus Christ died on the cross. He rose again from the grave to prove that he was a sinless sacrifice acceptable to God. Because if he had sinned and if he wasn't acceptable to God, he would be stuck in the grave. And as this is what Paul says, how then can you budge from this? And then he goes on and says, listen, if there is no resurrection, that's a serious issue. And this is what he says. But if it is preached, that Christ has been raised from the dead, how in the world then can some of you say, there is no resurrection of the dead? What? If there is no resurrection of the dead, then not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, our preaching is useless, and so is your what? Your faith. More than that, we are found to be false witnesses about God, for we testified about God that he raised Christ from the dead, but he did not raise him from the dead. If, in fact, the dead are not raised, for if the dead are not raised, again, he says, then Christ has not been raised either. And if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile. You are still in your sins. Then those who have fallen asleep or died in Christ, they're lost. In fact, he says, if only for this life we have hope in Christ, we are to be pitied more than all men. Not just men, all men. And so what we see here, folks, in this passage, okay, according to this text, the reason why Paul says the whole resurrection thing is a pretty big issue is because ultimately this is the crux of the gospel. 
This is it right here. You can't budge on this. In other words, you can't have a gospel, which means good news. You can't have good news without Jesus Christ rising from the grave. Why? Because if Jesus Christ didn't rise from the dead, then guess what? Neither will you. How many guys can figure that out without any help this morning? Okay, and that's what Paul said. Your faith is futile. You're doomed. In other words, you are headed straight to hell. Isn't that awesome? No, it's not. But when you budge from that, that's what you're acting like. Okay, that this is, it's ridiculous. And that's why Paul dedicates a whole chapter to this. And he says, if we Christians don't have any hope beyond the grave, if we actually have the audacity to say there is no resurrection and this is all there is to life, it's just gathering together as God's people and you still end up going to hell. What's the use? That's futile. That's useless. That's, what a waste. Okay, you might as well do what the rest of the world does, just party it up and die. And isn't that what they're doing, Okay. Okay, it's not an illusion, folks. There, if there is no resurrection, we are lost, we are doomed, we might as well get it while the getting's good. We might as well do what the society does. And we might as well do what society does and just try to feel religious once in a while and come up with these religious holidays and stuff of that nature, okay? And here's the point, whether we realize or not, as Christians, when we go around and act like Resurrection Day is no longer about the provision of sin that Jesus made, that he rose again from the grave. Instead, it's about the egg-laying, chocolate-covered, fuzzy bunny thing in essence what are we acting like with all due respect we're acting like the world we're acting like the resurrection is not true it, it's not important it's not worthy to mention in fact it's so worthless that we got to come up with some religious counterfeit holiday like the rest of the world we're acting like our faith is futile that there is no good news and we're being just like the world. But folks, can I tell you something? Jesus Christ did rise again from the grave. Our faith is not futile. He's alive right now at the right hand of the Father. Unlike Muhammad, who is dead, Buddha is dead, Confucius is dead, rotten in the grave, but Jesus Christ is alive. Okay, there is hope and there is forgiveness of all our sins. So let's remind ourselves why we cannot budge from the true meaning of Resurrection Day. Amen? And it is so worthy of our celebration. The first good news uh, about Resurrection Day is there is forgiveness for a fractured soul. There is forgiveness for a fractured soul. And what a forgiveness it is. Man, this is awesome. And this is just one passage telling us this. 1 John chapter 1, verse 8-9 through says this. If we claim to be without sin, you don't like the rest of the world. Oh, I, when I get to heaven, I, I, I'm not that bad of a person. I don't need Jesus. I'm not a sinner. What's God say? If you claim that attitude, you deceive yourselves as if God doesn't know. How many of you guys ever told a lie? Raise your hand. Praise God. Those of you who didn't raise your hand, you just did. Because <laughs> right? we all have, right? See how easy it is? God knows, right? We've all got sin. We've all fallen short of the glory of God, myself included. He said, but if you have that attitude, you're being deceived. The truth is not in you. Hello, you can't fool God. But here's the good news, man. If you would just what? Confess your sins. God, he is faithful and just and will, not maybe, he will forgive us of our sins and purify us from how much unrighteousness? All of it, every last bit of it, okay? And this is just one of the many blessings of Resurrection Day because Jesus Christ rose again from the grave. That means, listen, he had no sin, therefore death had no hold on him. In other words, because he was sinless and lived a sinless life in our place, he could not stay in the grave. 
He lived the perfect life in our place. He died the perfect death to satisfy the justice of God. Listen, which means when God forgives us because Jesus lived the perfect life, because Jesus without sin, when God forgives us, he forgives us completely as if we'd never sinned. Isn't that amazing? You and I see that. We still see each other's sin. We see ourselves sin. We see people sin, even other Christians sin. But God doesn't see us that way anymore through Christ. When he forgives us of sins, he forgives us completely of sins because Jesus was completely without sin. And that's why he rose again from the grave. That's a big issue. And it says he didn't just forgive us of sins. He purifies us from all unrighteousness, all of it, even the ones we don't even remember. That means all of our sins, all unrighteousness is gone right now, not in the future, not when we get to heaven. Right now, the scripture says, all of our sins, past, present, and future are gone forever and not just gone forever. God chooses, listen to this, God, we and whom we've offended, God. He says, I'm not just gonna forgive you completely. I'm not even gonna remember them. Isn't that awesome? I didn't say that. God did. Let's just take a couple look at passages. This is awesome. Micah says this, chapter 7, verse 18 and 19. Who is a God like you? No kidding. Amen? Who is a God like you who pardons sin and forgives the transgression? Did you realize that God would be completely just if after mankind, us, we've rebelled against God, God has the just ability to say, I start all over. I nuke him planet. He could, right? And that's why I said, man, I mean, how many guys know, because you're not God and you can't send down lightning bolts, how many guys know of several people uh, who would not be alive today if you had that ability? Let's be honest, right? This is God. And he would be just in doing so. But he doesn't. He doesn't nuke the planet. He doesn't nuke us. What's he, he forgives us. He pardoned, isn't that, that's why, who is like, whoa, this is awesome. And not only that, you will again have compassion on us. You will tread our sins underfoot. You'll hurl our iniquities into the depths of the sea, okay? Isaiah 43, 25, I, even I, God, am he who blots out your transgressions for my own sake and remembers your sins, what? No more, Hebrews 8, 12, for God, I will forgive their wickedness and will remember their sins no more. Is that good news or what? Okay, that's awesome news, okay? Uh, God chooses the one in whom we've offended. Has anybody ever been offended by somebody? Did you ever have somebody sin against you? It, see, it's already come to your head. You're, re you're remembering it. God, God, holy, holy, holy God, in whom there is no sin, not even the darkness or shadow, says, oh yeah, watch this. I, God, because of my son, I won't remember it. Isn't that mind-blowing? Corey Tin Boom, in her book, if you're familiar with her, uh, one of her books, A Tramp for the Lord, here's what she said about forgiveness and the need that people need to hear this message. And she went back after World War II to the Germans. Oh, by the way, if you don't know her background, okay, her family, her sisters, her mom, her dad, uh, her friends, they were murdered in the Holocaust. So she goes back to Germany with this message. She said, it was 1947, I'd come to Holland from defeated Germany with the message that God forgives, right? She said, it was the truth that these German people need to hear in that bitter bombed out land. And then I gave them my favorite mental picture. And maybe that's because the sea is never far from the Hollander's mind. She was from Holland. 
She said, I like to think that that's where our forgiven sins are thrown. And she said this to those people in Germany. She says, when we confess our sins, God casts them into the deepest ocean, gone forever. Then she said, God places a sign out there that says, no fishing allowed. And isn't that what we do? Isn't that what the enemy gets us to do? We've confessed our sins. God, he's faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. But what does the enemy do? Oh yeah, remember that? Remember that? When Satan comes knocking at your door, let Jesus answer it. And Jesus said, I remember him no more. What are you talking about? Slam the door. God chooses. But see, that's what, that's what we do. We allow him to, and we think, no, he's forgiven us of that. This is the, the meaning of resurrection day. God, in whom we have offended, he has totally forgiven us. He doesn't think of, if, if God chooses not to remember them anymore, and we've genuinely confessed them, genuinely remorseful, don't you think we should forget about it too? How much more joy would we experience if we would just stand on the benefit of resurrection day? Jesus Christ rose again from the grave, which means when God forgives you, he totally forgives you, even the to- point where he totally uh, for- forgets about him, which means, as we've seen before, this is great news, because how many guys got this old vision in your head? You're going to get to heaven, right? And you're going to stand before God, and they're going to pull down this big old giant movie screen, and, and all of it is going to be a tape recording of everything you've ever done, every sin you've ever done your whole life, and your mom's going to be there watching with you, <laughs> Right? And that's what, that's what, we, what we find, right? That God's recording all this tape. Not, that's what the scriptures say. Now, if you're not saved, there is a tape. But the scripture says God has, listen, through Jesus Christ, God chooses to remember your sins no more, which means if there was a tape, Christian, God, through Christ, has erased our tape. See, I'll need to say that a second time because you're not getting it. God has erased your tape. Your sins have been forgiven. They've been cast into the deepest sea. God chooses to remember them no more, which means right now, not just in heaven. This is why we have such intimacy with Christ now. I remember when I first got saved, and I realized that I could grow closer in my walk with Jesus Christ. I was maybe a week or two old in the Lord. That I, I, I could actually grow closer in my walk with Jesus before I even get to see Jesus face to face in heaven. Yeah, this gets better and better. That's why we can grow in Christ. That's why we can experience a deeper walk with Christ long before we ever see him. Because right now, because of what Christ has done, we are perfectly loved, perfectly accepted, perfectly forgiven once and for all, even to the point where the one in whom we have committed the crime to, the power of God's forgiveness enables us to give him a hug. Like this man was able to do. Let's watch this. Years ago, he swore he would never go back to that place. He had seen too much killing, too many horrors, all that suffering reflected in that one small image. But now, here he was, on his way to Vietnam, drawn by a photo no bigger than a postage stamp, and like a live thing, it had made its way from a dead man to a dusty trail in Vietnam to an American GI, a war memorial, to a book, to a wallet, to this bag, on its way home. To present the picture to that little girl, the daughter of the man he killed. It's a cloudy Wednesday morning in the north. Rain is threatening. As Rich boards a van for the two and a half hour drive to Lons Village. A drive through a world changing fast, but still utterly different. Past markets crowded with faces amazed to see this entourage, this 
white-haired man. The village draws closer. In the van, he fidgets, hedgy. Say, I have to bring flowers. <laughs> and then suddenly, Rich and Carol are here, walking. Here is where that somber, serious soldier lived, had his children, the place to which he never returned. How are you feeling? Nervous. And then, just around a stone wall, Rich sees a woman and is sure. I've already seen her. I know who she is. <clears throat> he takes a moment to compose himself, then walks toward her. <sighs> and here they are. <sighs> they had never laid eyes on each other before. Ciao, Sheila. For a few seconds, they don't know what to say. They're intimate strangers. Lay home nine. He recites a sentence he has learned in Vietnamese. Today, he says, I return the photo of you and your father, which I have kept for 33 years. Please forgive me. release. The whole village has turned out to see the photo return. Once, Richard wondered about formality, ceremony, but not now. This is the photo that I took from her father's wallet today that I shot and killed her, and that I'm returning. former enemies, Rich Luttrell felt as if his wounded soul had been stitched up and made new again. That's the true meaning of Resurrection Day. power of forgiveness through Jesus Christ. To know that you've been totally forgiven of the crimes from the very person you committed them to. To the point where you can embrace them. That's what Jesus did for us when he died on the cross. That's why it's important that he rose again from the grave. He has prepared that scene for us in heaven. Because one day we will stand before God. The one in whom we sinned against. 
the one in whom we committed crimes against, the one in whom we blasphemed and mocked and spit upon, and even played the death a part in the death of his own son. Maybe we expect to get nuked, but instead we hear this. What sin? What are you talking about? I don't remember that. Come here. Hug your heavenly father, Abba, God. That's the true meaning of Resurrection Day. That's what we have in Jesus Christ. And that's what our world needs to hear on this day. Amen? But that's only the first one. The second good news about Resurrection Day is there is healing for the brokenhearted. It just gets better as you go, man. And let's take a look at this. And this is the promise of when the Messiah would come. In Isaiah chapter 61, the Messiah speaking in this passage says, here's what he's come to do when he comes. And of course, he came through Jesus Christ. That's who he is. Uh, 61 verses 1, 2, and 3 says this, the spirit of the sovereign Lord is on me because the Lord has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. Okay, (laughs) it gets better. Listen to this, man. He has sent me to bind up who? The brokenhearted, it keeps getting better, to proclaim freedom for the captives, to release from darkness for the prisoners, to comfort all who mourn, to bestow upon them a crown of beauty instead of ashes, the oil of joy instead of mourning, and a garment of praise instead of a spirit of despair. I don't know about you guys, but man, when the Messiah shows up, he's going to do some pretty awesome things, amen? I mean, that's just a little bit of the list that's mentioned there, okay? And this is what we see in Jesus Christ, okay? This is what he's done. This is the true meaning of Resurrection Day. Listen, it's not just that he came and died on the cross to forgive us of all of our sins and forgive us completely. That's cool. But before we get to heaven, have you noticed this, Christian? The more you seek him out of love, he starts to mend your broken up, messed up life. Your brokenheartedness. And that's what the word in Hebrew means there, brokenhearted. Listen to this. It means totally wrecked. Not just messed up, but totally wrecked. Literally crushed, broken down, broken into pieces, literally shattered and crushed. And this is what Jesus has come to do. Yes, to forgive us of all of our sins. Woo! Now I can embrace God. I don't have to be, I have peace with God through Jesus Christ right now. I can embrace him before I even get to heaven. I got intimacy with him. But he says, I've also come to Do something splendid with your life that was so messed up and broken, smashed to pieces. It doesn't matter what you've done, where you came from, what your life was before. Listen, Jesus can not only fix it and mend your heart. And I mean a true mending, not a fake one from the world. But he'll do something fantastic with you if you would just seek him. Like he did for this lady. A number of years ago, this is a true story, in a mental institution just outside of Boston, there was this little girl And she was known as Little Annie. And I'm not making this up. She was literally locked away in a dungeon. In a dungeon. And that's because the doctors felt that a dungeon was the only place for this hopelessly insane little girl. And in Little Annie's case, that's exactly what they did. They saw no hope. And she was actually not just in this dungeon area. Okay, she was actually confined to a living death in a small cage. They even put her in a cage. Okay, And then, but one day, an elderly nurse in the institution, she was nearing her retirement, and she felt that there was hope for all God's creatures. And so she started uh, taking her lunch into the dungeon and and, and eating there uh, uh, outside little Annie's cage. And she felt perhaps maybe she can communicate some love to her uh, and hope to the little girl. And, And in many ways, little Annie, she was like an animal. She acted like it. On occasion, she would violently attack anybody who even came near her cage. And other times, she would just ignore them. And so this elderly nurse, she started visiting her, and little Annie gave no indication she was even aware of her presence. 
But one day, the elderly nurse brought in some brownies, two story, to the dungeon and left them outside the cage. And little Annie gave no hint that she even knew they were there. And the nurse returned the next day, though, and the brownies were gone. And from that time on, the nurse would continue to bring in brownies every time she made her Thursday visit. And soon, the doctors noticed a change was starting to take place in little Annie. In fact, after a period of time, they actually moved little Annie out of the cage and on upstairs. And finally, believe it or not, the day came when this so-called hopeless case was allowed to leave home. But that's when little Annie said she didn't want to leave that place. She felt she could stay there and make a contribution and work with the other patients and help develop in them that was developed in her. And many years later, Queen Victoria of England, while painting uh, the highest award on a foreigner, Helen Keller, asked her, Helen, how do you account for your remarkable accomplishments in life, affecting millions of people? How do you explain the fact that even though you were both blind and deaf, you were able to accomplish so much? And that's when, without a moment's hesitation, Helen Keller said this to Queen of England. She said, if it had not been for little Annie, Ann Sullivan, the name Helen Keller would have remained unknown. It was little Annie, Ann Sullivan, who saw Helen Keller as one of God's special creatures and treated her as she was treated in her cage, as somebody who was loved, somebody who was prayed for and worked with until their life became a beacon of hope for the world. That's what Jesus came to do. This is the meaning of Resurrection Day. He's come to heal up the brokenhearted, our messed up lives, the broken down lives, and do something absolutely splendid with them. Amen? No matter what you've done, no matter matter what your cage of circumstances might have been, Jesus can not only set you free and fix it, but do something splendid like he did for this guy. See, it doesn't work just for girls. It works for guys. Anybody glad about that? All you men say something. That's right. See, even guess who this is. It was a and true story, another true story of a guy. It was a seemingly normal day at work for this average American Christian guy named Rhett Faulkner. And only did uh, he know that on this day, an enemy was going to start working right next to him. And so being a Christian at all, Rhett felt he should go out his way to welcome this uh, new employee. And so he said hello, and he introduced himself. But that's when the trouble started. As soon as this enemy found out that Rhett was a Christian, he began to laugh. He began to make fun of him and declare how stupid Christians were. So what did Rhett do? He promptly invited his enemy over for supper to give him a chance to meet his family. But not even a nice home-cooked meal with a pleasant family didn't make a dent with this guy, this enemy. He, he merely continued his tirade about how Christians were a bunch of mindless, brainwashed idiots, and they were so stupid they had to have somebody else tell them what to do. So what did Rhett do? Well, he invited his friend over to a Christian singles group uh, because he knew his enemy would never go to a regular Sunday church service. And, but while he was there, listen to this true story, his enemy defied the leader during the devotion time, stared at him in anger the whole time, refused to bow his head in prayer. And then when it was time to pray and they were doing prayer requests, others were praying for their loved ones to be saved or some serious medical issues and stuff. But this enemy spoke up in complete mockery of everyone and asked, oh yeah, I want to pray for the dying slugs and snails for the world. So what did Rhett do? Well, he prayed to God on behalf of the dying slugs and snails around the world, just like his enemy requested. But one day Rhett told his enemy that his family was moving back to the East Coast and he'd probably never ever see him again. But despite the fact that Rhett had continually invited this enemy into his home, constantly took him out to eat for free, chauffeured him around with his own gas, his enemy didn't even say goodbye, nothing. So what did Rhett do? He simply kept praying for his enemy, even though they were now miles apart. 
But that's when months later at another workplace over 2,000 miles away, Rhett gets a call from his old enemy. And naturally being surprised about the call, Rhett asks his enemy, well, why is he calling him? Well, as it turns out, Rhett's former enemy had not only become a true friend, but he was now a brother in the Lord. Why? Because Rhett's persistent love for his enemy enabled him to become a Christian as well. Now, for those of you who haven't heard the story, Rhett's enemy was me. That was me 22 years ago. Just a little piece, a little sliver of my messed up, broken-hearted, crushed existence before Christ. I was a blasphemer. I hated Christians. And God had mercy on me. He not only saved me. Praise God I'm not going to hell. But he has mended my heart. And to his glory and honor, he's doing something pretty cool with his life. Can I tell you something? If he can and he did do that for me, he could do that for you and anybody in our world. That's what our world needs to hear. That's the true meaning of resurrection day, amen? Okay, turn to somebody and go, booyah on the bunny. Okay? That's a double booyah. We got one more to go and we'll close. The third good news about resurrection day is there is hope for a hopeless world. Oh man, there are no hopeless situations. There's only those who give up hope in Christ, amen? Okay, and this is what we see in the scripture. When God saves us, anybody glad you're guaranteed to get there in heaven? And that's when we know, man, this is awesome. It gets better as you go. John chapter 10, this is Jesus speaking to his sheep, right? And this is a great promise, man. I don't know about you guys, but John chapter 10, verse 27 through 29, my sheep listen to my voice. I know them, Jesus says, and they follow me. And so what do I do? I give them what kind of life? Eternal life, lasts forever. And they shall never, never perish. No one, does that include you? And, right? No one will snatch them out of my father's hand. My father who has given them to me is greater than all. Hey, name somebody who can beat up God. Whoop them in arm wrestling. How about leg wrestling? We used to do that growing up. No? Who's going to overpower God and take away this gift he's given us? Nobody. And that's what Jesus is saying. My father who's given them to me is greater than all. No one can snatch them out of my father's hand. This is awesome. If you really think about it, right? Okay, this is, it just gets better as you go. This is the true meaning of resurrection day. Listen, Jesus not only forgives us of all of our sins, he forgives them completely. In fact, to the point where God says, no, sorry, I don't remember what you're talking about. Give me a hug. <laughs> That's number one. But then he not only heals our broken, messed up, hearted lives, but then as we surrender to him and follow him and just love him, He'll do something splendid with your life. But listen, it gets even better, okay? He gives us a gift. That's why it's called a gift, because it cannot be taken away. And you cannot earn it, which means you can't earn out of it. He gives you the gift of eternal life. And for those of you who don't know, that means we will never perish. We will, can I translate that? Can I be blunt with you? We will never, ever, ever, ever have to worry about going to hell. Now, if that doesn't keep a smile on your face, I don't know what will. We will never perish. Nobody can snatch us out of God's hand, okay? And again, this is good news if we're honest. All right, we already did the demonstration before about lying, but how many guys, since you've been a Christian, you've actually blown it? Yeah. Now, you already told me you're a bunch of liars. They're all, it should be unison, right? <laughs> Right? Okay, okay, so guess what? Okay, this is the point. So this is resurrection day. God not only saves us, he saves us absolutely completely. It's not up to us anymore. It's up to him. It's his salvation, not ours, which means we're going to make it to heaven. He is going to guarantee it. 
Nobody can take it away. Not you, not me, not your sin cannot overpower God in the cross of Jesus Christ, which means we're going to make it across the finish line because we're not the ones running the race. The Father, through Christ, is pushing us, and the Father never quits, and he never loses. We're going to get there like this father did for his son. Let's take a look. Who taught the sun where to stand in the morning? And who taught the ocean you can only come this far? And who showed the moon where to hide till evening? Whose words alone can catch a falling star?
Team Hoyt and that son and father, I think to date has made it through a hundred races. And because of that father, his son makes it across the finish line. Every time. God, through Jesus, not only forgives us of all of our sins, He not only heals our broken, messed up lives, but even Christian, when you sin after being saved, and maybe for a time you feel like you're even, you can't even walk anymore. Don't you know what Jesus has done? Don't you understand? This is the gift of salvation he's given us. It's his salvation, which means just like that father, God is the one pushing us across the finish line, and he never loses. That's the true meaning of Resurrection Day. Turn to somebody and say, triple booyah on the bunny. And that's what our world needs to hear. Amen. Well, hi, this is Pastor Billy Crone of Sunrise Baptist Church and Get a Life Ministries. And I hope you enjoyed today's study. But in closing, before you go, let me ask you one final question. If you were to die today, are you sure that you go to heaven and not hell? You see, here's the problem. The Bible says that nobody automatically gets to go to heaven. And that's because God is holy and we are not. The Bible says that the wages of our sin or our unholiness, or the wrong things that we have done, have separated us from God. And the wages of our sin, or unholiness, uh, means that we deserve to die and receive God's judgment to go to hell and not heaven. In other words, we're disqualified for heaven. And that's because God being holy and us being not, the two cannot mix. So what are we going to do? Well, that's bad enough. The other problem is we don't even want to admit this dilemma even though God already knows it all. And so out of love, God gave us something called the Ten Commandments to show us that we're really disqualified for heaven. We're not holy, we're not perfect like him. Uh, let's take a, a look at just a few of those uh, here today. Uh, the Bible says, the Ten Commandments says, you shall not bear false witness. That means lying. How many of you have ever told a lie before? Well, those of you who didn't raise your hand, you just did. Okay, let's be honest, folks. Let's not tell another lie. We've all lied. Well, believe it or not, that disqualifies you for heaven. That's how holy God is. He is the truth. He does not lie. And so that makes us a liar. Another of the Ten Commandments says you shall not steal. Okay? How many have ever taken anything without permission? Well, all of our hands should have went up at that one. Uh, we've already said we're a bunch of liars. Okay? Well, we've all done that. And it doesn't have to be a bank. 
Uh, it could be a pencil in the third grade. Uh, that means that we're a thief, okay? The Bible says that God is so holy, even his name is holy. And that's why one of the Ten Commandments says, you shall not use the Lord's name in vain. Hey, folks, isn't it ironic how uh, now the blessed name of Jesus Christ, the Bible says there's no other name under heaven by which men might be saved, Jesus Christ, has now become a cuss word? Folks, the Bible says that's the sin of blasphemy, okay? And folks, let's be honest, we've used God's name in vain uh, before. The Bible also says in the Ten Commandments, you shall not commit adultery. And Jesus takes the standard even higher. He says, listen, it's not just physical adultery. He says, surely I tell you that if you look at another person with lust in your eye, you've committed adultery in your heart. God looks at the heart. One more out of the Ten Commandments says, you shall not murder. And you might say, well, hey, I haven't done that one. Really? The Bible says that the sin of hatred is akin to the sin of murder. You, in other words, in your heart, wish they were dead. You pulled the trigger, if you will, in your own heart. And the Bible says God sees that, and it's just as bad. He knows the mind. He knows the hearts, the thoughts, and the intents that we have. Folks, that's just five out of the Ten Commandments. How are you doing? Not very well. None of us can keep them. They're God's x-ray to show us that we're disqualified. And so when, not if, your time comes, because we're all marching towards the grave at different speeds, you're going to have to stand before God. And you're going to have to uh, say who you really are. He already knows. Hey, God, let me into heaven. Uh, I'm, I'm a liar. I'm a thief. I'm a blasphemer, adulterer, and a murderer. Folks, the Bible is clear. Such people as these will not inherit the kingdom of heaven. That's the problem. Here's the good news. God so loved the world that he sent his one and only begotten son, Jesus Christ, that whoever believes in him, what he did on the cross, on our behalf, that we will not perish, we will not go to hell, but he will give us the gift of eternal life. Jesus died on the cross to forgive us of all of our sins. It's something that we don't earn. We, we, we can't earn. It's a gift, the Bible calls it. And a gift cannot be earned. He was taking the death penalty in our place. That's what the cross was of the day. And that if we would just ask Jesus Christ to forgive us of our sins and believe that in our heart that God raised him from the grave, showing that his death is satisfactory to God to forgive us of all of our sins, no matter what we've done, the Bible says we shall be saved. Uh, the Apostle Paul says that if we confess with our mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in our heart that God raised him from the grave, we will be saved. Let me give you a common analogy of what God's doing and what he did for us with Jesus dying on the cross on our behalf. Uh, in life, we know that people uh, can be sentenced for a crime uh, to where they're actually on death row. Uh, the courtroom scene has completely finished. The gavel has already sounded. Uh, they are going to jail and they're just awaiting their time before they go to the death penalty. Uh, as they're sitting there in the jail cell, uh, it, it's a proven fact they did what they did. Everybody knows it. They're just waiting for that time for their uh, number to come up, so to speak, and walk down that hall and be executed. Uh, there's nothing they could do to reverse their crime. No amount of good works in that jail cell can reverse what they've done. It's too late. It's over. But believe it or not, there's one way that people even today can get off a of death row. And that's if the one in authority, the governor, if he were to, out of mercy and kindness, nothing that the person did, because they don't earn it and they don't deserve it, and they can't earn it. If he would grant them what's called a pardon, out of the kindness of his heart, he has the authority to grant them a pardon 
and absolve them completely of their crimes uh, against the state. And did you know that there's actually been people that this has happened to, that the governor, out of mercy, has granted them a pardon as a gift, and they've gone down to the jail cell and handed that person, extended it through the bars, here, I'm granting you a pardon. If you would just receive it, you can go free right now. And did you know that there's actually been people who've said, no, I don't want your pardon. And so what happened is of their own doing, even though they had a way out, they still had to go to the death penalty. Folks, can I tell you something? That's what God did for us with Jesus dying on the cross. He sent his son to take the death penalty in our place. He, God, has the authority to grant us through Jesus a complete pardon. And every day that you're still alive, God is extending to you spiritually this pardon. But a pardon does you no good unless you reach out and receive it by faith. Won't you do that today? Won't you call upon the name of Jesus Christ? Ask him to forgive you of all of your sins, to trust in his work on the cross, to pardon us from all of our crimes, our sins against God. God loves you. He wants a relationship with you. But there's only one way to heaven. It's Jesus. There's only one way to get off a death row. It's through the cross of Jesus Christ. Won't you do that right now? Well, this has been Pastor Billy Crone of Sunrise Baptist Church and, and Get a Life Ministries. And if there's anything that we can do for you, uh, please don't hesitate uh, to contact us. Uh, our number, our information will uh, come up here on the screen shortly. And uh, uh, if there's anything we could do for you, please don't hesitate to let us know. Uh, thank you for uh, joining us. And uh, remember, I hope to see you in heaven. God bless. Thank you for watching this presentation from Sunrise Baptist Church. If you would like to send us a letter or any other kind of postage, you can reach us at 1780 Betty Lane, Las Vegas, Nevada, 89156. For more information, you can give us a call at 702-452-8599 or email us at bcrone at getalifemedia.com or you can visit our website at www.getalifemedia.com. Billy Crone and this ministry can also be found on Facebook and Twitter. Join us for services at www.sunriselv.com.